Good morning, Golden Triangle Church on the Rock. Wow, it is great, great to be here. It's great to see you. It's always so much fun uh, to, to come to Beaumont and to be with you guys. We do greet you from Pascagoula on behalf of our church family there. Um, we just want to greet you and say good morning. Uh, it's so exciting. I always kind of like to do this because the Apostle Paul told us that we should encourage one another in the Lord, right? And so look at your neighbor right now. Look at somebody next to you and say, next to me. Go ahead and say it, next to me. You are the best looking thing in the house. All right? So if you haven't got any encouragement this week, you've got it now. You're a good-looking group. I always like to tell folks at home, online uh, watchers, wherever you are, maybe you're in your recliner, maybe you're, you know, uh, wherever you may be, uh, that is your seat in the house. You're, you're here in the house with us no matter what your location is. So we're so glad that uh, you're with us. Um, we're going we're gonna to be talking a little bit because I listened to Pastor Ron and I, I told him, I said, okay, stop preaching my message, okay? Because he's talking about a time of refreshing and even in tough times that God has these places of joy. Um, but I, I have opportunities, you know, from time to time to go different places to preach and to minister. But I can tell you, and I'm not saying this just because I'm here, this is my very favorite place to come and preach. I love your pastor, I love this congregation, the staff. It is amazing. Um, so I absolutely, I consider this my church away from church, my home away from home. Um, many of you know this, some of you may not, but, but your pastor is also my pastor. And he has pastored me and mentored me uh, for nearly 30 years now. And he has been a great friend. He's walked with me through some of the toughest times of my life when Hurricane Katrina came through and, and you know, destroyed our home. He was there for me. Uh, you know, when, when I walked through the, the horrors of divorce at one point in my life, he was there for me. In fact, before I went through that, I made a trip here. And he and I spent time just driving and sitting behind his house and talking and praying. And so he has been a great, great pastor and great mentor for me. And, and it's such an honor to, to stand here in this pulpit. Uh, I've told so many people when I'm with Pastor Ron, I want to, you know, I just we can just be walking, you know, uh, through a mall or walking wherever. And I just either want a tape recorder, just be to recording what he's saying, you know, or, or a pen and paper just to be writing it down because... There is, there is so much wisdom there. Please don't ever, ever, ever take for granted what you have in your pastor and in his family and in the staff and in this church because everybody doesn't have this. This is, this is not the norm, and I have so much love and respect uh, for you guys. Um, I want to I read from the psalm, Psalm 122 real quickly and we're going to try to move through real quickly because really I, like I said I want to reinforce what pastor has already said but Psalm 122 verse 1 said I was glad when they said to me let us go into the house of the Lord the psalmist said I was glad I was excited I was happy when they said to me let's go to church it's church time and then I love that the very first part of the next verse he says and now we are here. 
<laughs> you ought to just give the Lord praise, you know, because now we're here. I was glad when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord, and lo and behold, now we are here. And so I want to talk a little bit about joy and gladness and happiness and praise. And because, you know, unfortunately, these are not words that you hear much on the nightly news anymore, right? We don't hear much about joy in this country and, and happiness and, and praise and gladness. And we all know what challenges that 2020 brought with it. Uh, now, I'm not even talking about just in America or just in the world, but I'm talking about in the church also, some churches more than others. But in Pascagoula, we, we did some local television and things that we were doing, but we had to learn very quickly how to become an online church, how to be on YouTube, how to do our broadcasting. I mean, we went through crash courses to be able to get our, our message out there. Uh, and, and most churches, you know, around our country were forced to close their doors for a time, you know, and just go strictly online church and uh, the, the first few weeks of the corona outbreak, uh, our church finances dropped to 25% of what they were normally. You know, it was just, and as hard as we tried, we lost contact with many of our church members, and we couldn't stay in regular contact with them. And so it was, you know, it was a, it was a, a terrible time in that situation. Uh, it's been a challenge, not to mention the, uh, the hurricanes that just seemed to love the Gulf Coast this year. It seemed like, you know, one month I'm calling Pastor Ron to check on you guys, and the next month he's calling me to check on our people. And so they were all over Mississippi and Texas this year. Uh, so that was, a, that was a challenge of 2020. Not to mention the civil war our country's in right now, whether we like to admit it or not. You know, that we are, we are absolutely... Uh, at the brink of civil war, and it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's blacks against whites, it's Democrats against Republicans, it's the haves and the have-nots, and, you know, we see, we see so much civil unrest that's going on. Um, but with all of that, I believe there's a greater problem in this country than COVID, than current events, than hurricanes, and even civil unrest. Uh, I believe it started before COVID was an everyday word. I believe it started before the Biden presidency or even, even the Trump can, candidacy and, and presidency, really. But, but really for pastor the last decade or so, that what I've noticed is an unprecedented apathy and lukewarmness in the churches. In the church. And that's why I tell you, don't take for granted what you have here. Because it's not everywhere. But, but I've, I've noticed, you know, just it seems to be working its way through churches in America. The Bible speaks of a day when people would call good evil and evil good. And church, we're living in that day. We are living in that day when everything the church has always considered good and right and holy and praiseworthy is now being uh, labeled as evil and closed-minded and out of touch and all of these things. Everything that not just the church, but even the world called evil is now being touted as good and right and forward-thinking. And, and Jesus warned us as a church, he warned us specifically of a time and a place called lukewarmness. And he went so far to say, as I would rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. But this lukewarmness makes me sick. 
It makes me want to throw up, basically. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, it nauseates me, the fact when the church becomes lukewarm. Someone said the fastest growing church in America today is the church of the unchurched. It is the church of the unchurched. There is a mass exodus happening in the churches across, across, all across America. People no longer see the need or feel the need to assemble themselves together and worship together and pray together and praise together and laugh together and cry together, whatever the case may be. Uh, now, now, it seems in church it's all about which side of the political fence you're on. You know, that's how we, we divvy up. Uh, pe people who are taking vaccines are criticizing those who are not. And those who are not are criticizing those who are. You know, and we've, we've become to where we're some of the most argumentative people. I mean, we're, we go out looking for a fight. You can't even enjoy a sporting event anymore without people politicizing it and it becoming more about a political agenda than a ball game. I'm thinking, I just want to watch a ball game. You know, it's not, it's not about everything being political. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times will come. Church, they are here. They're here. We're living, we're living in perilous times. They've arrived. Um, I read a post the other day. Someone said, I've stopped looking for the signs of the times. I've started listening for the sound of the trumpet. You know, that, that because the signs of the times are here. Now, all of this would be bad enough if it were only confined to the world, to unbelievers. We would sort of expect that. We sort of look for that. But my question this morning that I want to ask you, and I want to hopefully try to answer in just the next few minutes, is, is what's happened to the church? What's happened to the church? When did the church become lukewarm? When did the church become so apathetic about lost souls, about, about almost anything? Someone said the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy, Pastor. The opposite of love is just, you know, yeah, I know it's a problem. I know there's kids out there in Arizona that's, you know, they're troubled. Well, God bless them, and that's it. But it's an apathy. It's a, you know, nothing shocks us anymore. Nothing bothers us. Nothing seems to want to spur us on to go and to do something and to make a difference and to be a change. You know, it's, it's this, uh, what, why is the fastest growing church in America the church of the unchurched? Why is there a mass exodus from the church? Why, why do people no longer see the need or even have the desire to come together in fellowship? Why, why are people no longer glad when they say to me, let us go into the house of the Lord? Why doesn't that excite people anymore? I mean, the Apostle Paul warned us, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. And even more so as you see the day approaching. I mean, this is the time that you need to be coming together. Well, what's happened to the church? I have a theory, and I'm going to share it with you this morning. Back home, we call these Rogerisms. I always uh, ask you to use them with caution. Um, but here's my theory. I, I believe the 21st century church has simply become powerless. I believe that we've become weak and impotent, and quite frankly, I, I don't really know a nice way to say it, we've become boring. The church, for the most part, 
It's just bored. Many churches, if not most today, are just mind-numbingly boring. I heard a guy say one time, he said, I spent the last Sunday, I spent the whole hour in church filling in the little O's and D's and G's in the bulletin with my ink pen. And then he said, and I was the one preaching. <laughs> you know, sometimes we bore ourselves. You know, it's just... Um, Many churches today are simply dying of boredom. The preaching's boring, the singing's boring, the music's boring, the building's boring, everything. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Now people are just glad when you say amen so we can get out and go to lunch, right? I mean, there's, when did the church lose its appeal? When did, when did the salt lose its savor? When did, the, when did the church lose its flavor? Uh, when did the house of God become so unappealing, unexciting? I mean, we, you know, here's a problem that I think we have in church today. We don't even expect God to do anything. We come to church, you know, and we just know that, okay, we're going to go in, we're going to uh, sing three songs and call it praise and two songs and call it worship, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to go home. And we don't even expect a move of God. That's why, that's why, you know, I love what Pastor Ron said just before service, you know, that we don't, uh, you know, we don't orchestrate, you know, the Holy Spirit, but we follow him. We, we ought to come to church with an expectancy every time we show up. What is God going to do today? Because Jesus said, if two or three of you come together in my name, guess what? I show up. I'm there, and we ought to be expecting God to do something amazing today. We ought to be expecting God to do something in our lives that will change our lives forever. It only takes one Person, it only takes one event, one contact that can change a person's life forever. And what better place for that to happen than, than, than in the church? And so I'm going to try to give you one more little Rogerism that I believe will help explain why the church is not the most explosive and exciting place in town. And this story is found in Luke 15. And I can almost promise you, if you look at my traveling partner right now, he's probably rolling his eyes. Because when I say Luke 15, he knows prodigal son. And the prodigal son is my favorite all time, beyond any reasonable doubt, my favorite Bible story in the Bible. It is an amazing story. I've preached it inside out, upside down, every way you can imagine uh, to preach it. We call it the story of the prodigal son. The thing I love the most about this story is the fact that it's not true. That's what makes me excited about this story. It's a parable. It's a made-up story by Jesus. Jesus is telling the story. He said, he, he goes right before that, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman that loses her coins, and, she's, and the kingdom of heaven is like this. And finally, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a father who had two sons. He's making, he's painting this picture on the canvas of our hearts, and, and he makes up the characters, and, and he, he tells this last story of the prodigal son and it is his masterpiece, in my opinion. He should have gotten an Oscar, a Grammy, an Emmy, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and everything just for this story. Just for this story. 
And I'm going to really briefly try to show you something in this parable that I believe can explain why so many churches are simply dying of boredom today. Furthermore, and let me just throw this in, because Pastor Ron said that he wanted everybody to get something. I can tell you there are a lot of marriages dying of boredom. No big affair, no big problem. They're just dying of boredom. There are a lot of businesses dying of boredom. People just don't want to go to work. There's nothing wrong. There's just nothing right. You know? Some, sometimes in our marriage, there's nothing wrong. It's just there's nothing right. There's nothing, there's nothing good. Many relationships are just dying of boredom. But it's another sermon for another day. Luke 15 Chapter 11, I'm just going to try to get through here. He says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough and to spare, and I am here dying of hunger. So here's my plan. I'll go home to my father, and I'll say, Father, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and both you and, and heaven and, and, and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Everybody say, so the party began. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music, he heard dancing, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. He said, your brother's back, and your father's killed the fatted calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in, so the father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, I've slaved for you, never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you've never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, he doesn't even call him his brother. When this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son. You've always stayed by me. Every, everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For this, your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. Now, real quickly, I want to take this story in reverse, real quickly. In verse number 20, 
He says, he returned home to his father, and while he was a great way off, his father saw him come in. He kissed him, uh, and the son gave him his little speech about, I'm no longer worthy. The father said to the servants, get a robe put on his shoulders. Get a ring put on his finger. Get sandals. And I always think it's interesting that he did all that at the end of the driveway, down the road a piece. You know, that, why didn't he wait till he get to the house and get a shower and get some of that? No, when he walked back to the house, he wanted him walking like he was his son. Not a hired servant. He wanted him walking in full glory. So he did that. So he tells him, and he goes in, and he begins to give orders to kill the fatted calf. I mean, break out the good stuff, guys, because we are fixing to party. Let the party begin. And so it says the, the elder son came. He heard music. He heard dancing. They couldn't have been Baptist folks because they was in there dancing. He heard, you know, they are having a party and, and the older son hears it. So we know what the atmosphere was like in the house when the son came home. Right? There's a party going on right here, a celebration that lasts throughout the year. They are in the house partying. Um, so who's, who's telling the story? Jesus is. Who do you suppose he's referring to when he refers to the Father? Probably the Father, God, right? When he talks about the house, where is he talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the house of God. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's the house of the Lord. Jesus is putting all of these things together. Now, that was the atmosphere in the house after the kid comes home. My question is, why did the kid leave to start with? Some have said, well, he was just greedy. He just wanted money, you know. I mean, he said, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Well, I, I, I can buy that except for the kid. The kid was already rich. Right? I mean, this kid was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He's already got money. His, his father is wealthy. He, he's, he, you know, he's got all of that. I think there's something deeper with that. Here's my theory. And remember, it's a Rogerism. I can't prove it, but here's, here's my theory. Verse 13, a few days later, this son packed all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Church, the kid left looking for a party. <laughs> he was ready to party. He was ready for a good time. He was looking for, you know, passion and fun and adventure and camaraderie. And this kid just wanted to party. How many remember the little show called Cheers? I think it's still on in syndication somewhere. But it, it was a little sitcom about a pub in Boston. And they really didn't have a lot of plots. They just would meet at this little pub. And they would sit around and, you know, and they would talk. And they, but if you remember the little, here's, here was the song at the beginning of the show. It said, making your, making your way in this world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're all just glad you came. And they can all see that our troubles are all the same. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I mean, isn't that what we're all looking for? So here's my theory. You ready? Here's my theory. If they had been partying in the house, 
before the kid left, like they partied in the house after the kid came home, my theory is maybe there's a good chance the kid would have never left to start with. Right? He left looking for where everybody knows his name, and they're all glad he came, and, and all, of, all of our troubles are just the same. He left looking for a party. When he came home, he found a party. But, but, but when he left, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The psalmist said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Church, they ought to be a party going on in the church every time we come together. We ought to be praising God with all of our hearts and all of our mind and all of our strength. We ought to be glad when they say it's time for us to go to the house of the Lord. We ought to come expecting something to happen and be excited. And, and quite frankly, I believe much of the church has simply lost its joy. And when we lose our joy, we lose our strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And when we lose our strength, we lose our attractiveness. Why do I want to go sit in church for an hour? You know, why? But if I go to church and there's strength, if there's people being saved and born again and healed and things that are going on because we have strength, and we have strength because we have joy, then all of a sudden the church is going to be the most attractive place in town. I mean, we're talking about cheers. You know, sometimes you want to go where everybody, I mean, that's the six-pack crowd. We ought to be, we are the church. If anybody has a right to throw a party, it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we've, we were lost, but now we're found. We were dead, but now we are alive. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us, right? I mean, God is living in us. God is leading us, guiding us, and directing us. We, we serve a God. Of miracles, we serve a God that we believe is, is coming again and receiving his bride into himself and, and taking us with him. And there he's gonna throw a thousand-year party like this world has never seen before. We got something to shout about. We've got something to be excited about. It's time for the church to learn how to party. We ought to be excited. And I believe, I believe that it is killing the church in America. And I believe it's killing and breaking the heart of Jesus himself when he sees lukewarmness in the church. He said, I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you just go, go to cheers, man. Just go, you know, just, just. And I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I've been in churches that make me want to go to cheers. I've been in churches make you want to go get a drink, man. You know, it's just. You know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you the truth. It's like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to end, right? Okay, you might be saying that now. All right, I need two minutes. I have to throw this in because here's the problem. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son that was in the field working, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing. He asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother's back. Your father's killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating. The older brother was angry and would not go in. Here's the problem. Not everybody likes a good party, especially in the church. The very idea of partying in church. 
the very idea, you know, having a good time in church. That's not, you know, not everybody, not, and it's because not everybody understands their salvation and who they are in Christ. Look what the father told him. The father said to him, this is so important, dear son, you've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. Are you kidding me, son? You should have been, you could have had a fat cow every day. Why haven't you been making merry with your friends? Everything I have belongs to you. But he didn't understand that. All he understood was, I've obeyed your commandments. I've worked hard. I've never done this. And you've never gave me. And the father said, never gave you. All I have is yours. You understand, church, that God says, all I have is yours. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do. It's my Father's good pleasure to give good things. We just have to receive that and understand our relationship with the Father. And we'll, I mean, a party will break out. When it's not about just trying, you know, trying to serve and trying to please the Father and always, and we never understand who we are in Christ. He said, I don't call you servants, I call you sons. We're not, we're not his servants. We say, yeah, we serve the Lord, but we're not his servants. We're his sons. All that he has belongs to us. And we just need an old-fashioned revival of just plain falling in love with Jesus all over again. The church has got to learn how to party. And when we do, we'll discover our joy. And once we discover our joy, we're going to rediscover our strength. And once we rediscover our strength... The world will beat the hinges off the door to, to get in. I'm telling you, it, it ought to be where every club in town is saying, what are they doing down there? Because whatever they're doing down there, everybody's going down there instead of coming here. we got to go down there and find out what they're doing. Because they're having a bigger party down there at Church on the Rock than we're having up here at Cheers. Then we're having, we have, I mean, we ought to be, the world ought to look at the church and say, that's the kind of marriages that I want. That's the kind of joy that I want. I mean, these guys come to work, they're going through the same thing I'm going through. We're both going through COVID, but I'm over here and I'm mumbling and I'm griping and I'm complaining and they're talking about God's got this. I don't understand it. I don't know, but God, I know God's going to take care of me. I know that God's going to get me through. There's just a difference. We ought to be that light in the world. It's time to let the good times roll. It's time to celebrate Jesus. As Pastor Ron said, even in the wilderness, God let them set up tents. We're going to throw a little party. Wherever we are, we're going to celebrate. That's what I love about this church. This is not a church of going to and sitting down for Sunday and going home. This is a church that's doing something. This is a church that's creating joy, that's going out and hands-on. And God bless you. I love you so much for that. That's what I love about this church. So in the words of the famous Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Okay, God bless you. Give the Lord a hand of praise.